0: Free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. All right, welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. I'm very excited for today's guest. I had the pleasure of going on his podcast recently. I've got Brad Mulvey with us. He's the co-founder of uh, Guest Box Love. He's also the VP of Strategic Accounts and Customer Growth at on Data and host of the World Class Dads podcast. Brad, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome, Colin. Great to talk to you again. yeah, yeah, it was uh just uh not too long ago, <laughs> right, right.
1: yeah, I think we're going on about twelve hours since our last conversation, so it's uh you know, twice in twenty four hours is is all the pleasure is mine.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a little bit of a different conversation um and uh, and today it's a little more about you. so you know, just you know, kind of a lot that we can unpack there just in that short little bio, right? right? (laughs) It's a mouthful for sure. (laughs) You you got a lot of different things going on, which, which I absolutely love. I really enjoyed going on uh, your podcast. We had a great conversation. Um, But just kind of to, you know, give us some context here. Where did your sales journey start?
1: So for me, it was... Kind of the path was in my mind. I always thought I'd have some element of sales in my world. Just my dad mm-hmm. was a sales guy. He had an insurance agency when I grew up. Um, was kind of your typical could talk to anybody. Could you know buy the buy the shirt off the mannequin at the store if needed. Um, so I always had in the back of my head that you know sales was of interest to me. Mm-hmm. But really, when I graduated from college, I got into a sales role in a very corporate. Realm, a, a company called News America Marketing, which is under the News Corp umbrella, so about as corporate as you can get. Um, did that for a few years, kind of transitioned into more of the marketing side, and then swung back into more of a, a sales role where I'm at now at Speedy on Data. That was about five and a half years ago, and have kind of been there climbing the rungs a little bit, but I'd say sales plays an element in everything I do. So I founded guest box love and I do all of the sales, the lead gen, um, customer acquisition, uh, for, for that organization. And then I'm also host the podcast, which is in its own right, a sales job of trying to attract and get people on the show as guests. So, uh, everything I do and I'm married and have kids. And as you know, that's a sales job as well. Some of the yeah. time when you're trying to <laughs> trying to push your agenda forward, so um, that's kind of the the sales background for me.
0: Yeah, man. So you're just like 24 seven selling <laughs> and shifting, changing hats and selling in different roles, right? It's pretty From much. A dad for- to a husband to, you know, uh, your, your, your sales uh, role to, uh, you know, selling as a, as a founder to selling people to come on your podcast and tell their story and talk about things (laughs) that they might be uncomfortable with.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So, uh, sales and, um, and customer service, I guess are the two things across all of the, all of those realms of life, of life, which uh, may be one in the same. I'm not sure anymore yeah, so I you know one thing I, I
0: kind of stood out and and I didn't know um, was that you shifted from sales uh, to a marketing role. So hmm. I'm curious, How long were you doing that? What were you doing? And then let's sort of, I have some other questions, but let's kind of start there.
1: Yeah. So part of that shift was moving from geography. So I was in Chicago, met my wife there, and we both happened to be from the the Cleveland, Ohio area. So we were moving back and was looking for a new role. And one caught my eye that was in uh, outside of sales. It was more of running B two B marketing for a national landscaping brand. Mm-hmm. And so I t- I went ahead and I took that role. Um, it was great company. Really liked that. But somewhere underneath the the it, it's probably the entrepreneur inside of me. But kind of that that aspect of sales where you really create your own destiny. Um, and your only limit, your only ceiling, is really yourself and your own capability. Drew me back in, so mm. that was the uh, the two year stint I did in specifically in marketing, and and I was coming from uh, kind of marketing services sales and went back into marketing service sales. So never ventured too far out of the marketing world there. Mm, interesting.
0: Now, you know. Sellers these days essentially have to be great marketers for a lot of mm-hmm. different reasons as well. So I'm curious, like what skills did you pick up for that two-year stint in marketing that you feel made you a better seller?
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I think the the one common denominator, well, there's many, but the big common denominator that that really stands out for me across sales and marketing is really getting inside the... The head of who you're trying to market or sell to, so your your client, your prospect, and really understanding kind of you know that the old sales maxim of YFM, what's in it for me? I think it holds true in both of those realms. And and it's so funny because that's like the first thing I remember learning in my sales 101 class in college, (laughs) and it's the easiest thing to forget and get off track on. And and when you do, it's where it's where you immediately lose traction. In what you're doing. So whether, whether it's in my sales roles or in marketing, it's just thinking of everything through the lens of your prospect or your customer and saying, okay, they're looking at this as what's in it for them. So how do I position myself either through marketing messaging or my sales approach to really make sure that I'm talking in their language and I'm presenting a solution to either a problem that they're facing or something that is top of mind for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And so when you were, you know, kind of ready to get back into sales and and be in a role that, uh, you know, didn't have as much of a, you know, not a ceiling or, you know, just collecting, not to make light of marketing, but like, you know, people who have sales in their blood aren't really comfortable in roles where there's no commission involved or they can't right. you know, get bonuses, <laughs> things like that. So I, I, I could see, but, um, but it sounds like, you know, the, the time in marketing definitely helped you, you know, kind of understand buyers a little bit better mm-hmm. and how to approach and, you know, craft your messaging in maybe less of a salesy way, but like, you know, speaking the, the proper language. So, um, when you got back into sales, was it a hard transition?
1: It was. It really wasn't too bad for me. I'd say the hardest transition at that point was I, I was jumping f- industries. So the the on Data is a data uh, marketing data agency, and so working with a lot of prospect consumer data um, and fueling direct marketing campaigns, which I was in kind of a B 2 B marketing role at the in that marketing position and so that was a big adjustment it was just learning a new industry really but Mm. having the having the insights I picked up from the marketing role really being in that buyer's seat did help in terms of just kind of sliding in It was just eyes on a different side of the equation with a different product so it's it's a lot of the same principles um, but had to just sit at a different point in the process in that in that stream of the of the sales process. So having those having that two years was probably even more valuable than I oftentimes give it credit for of just that understanding of what's important for marketers and what they're actually dealing with on the day-to-day ba- on a day-to-day basis um, and what's going to resonate from a sales perspective trying to talk to those types of folks.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. So what, at what um, I'm curious at what point did you start the podcast? So, you, so you, yeah. you we're kind of timeline wise, right? So, you know, kind of started out in sales, did a two year stint, relocated, and in, in, uh, did a marketing role, and then got back into sales. Were you still living? Did you guys in the same place? Did you guys move? Um, yeah, talk to me a little bit about that.
1: So I, I moved, we moved from Chicago and I started that marketing role 2014, um, probably about a year into that is when I started my first podcast, which oh, was okay. called the millennial mastermind. Um, which if you, it, I did almost 200 episodes of that, which if you go and l- listen back, it's a millennial, who doesn't know what he wants to do. And it's very obvious <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the lack of uh, the lack of focus in that show, but that was just me interviewing a lot of, you know, business owners and successful individuals trying to get a perspective on how they got their start. Yeah. Um, And a lot of that probably came from that need to scratch kind of the sales and the entrepreneurial itch where that I wasn't getting in the day job. And so, I went elsewhere to find that. And of course, you know, being a 25 year old starring a podcast, I thought that was going to be a million dollar venture, which, you know, now that I've been in the podcasting world for six years, I realized that was uh, a fool's, a fool's errand of getting into it, but it opened up a lot of doors for me. And uh, so long story short, I um, did that for about four years, closed shop on that podcast. Once I was in my new role at speedy on about the time that I had my daughter in 2020 and then six months later had to get back into the podcasting game and started world class dads uh, interviewing successful men who are also awesome dads at home.
0: Nice. I love it. Um, I, too, started a different podcast where I was and I think I did about 130 or 50 interviews, entrepreneurs, founders, successful people. <laughs> um, and as fun Cause, as it was... Because the I world just,
1: needs another one of those shows. That's what I realized I when I was in like, oh, so everybody has the same podcast.
0: <laughs> well, the, yeah. Well, the thing is, is, it's really hard to grow a show like that because sort of the audience is so broad. Like right. there is no real, it's hard to build like a, when you have a niche in a podcast, like your your podcast is clearly for dads, right? right? Like your audience is dads, right? Or successful dads maybe mm-hmm. even, right? But probably just dads in general are gonna tune in and say, hey, this is what successful dads are doing. You know, I need to listen to this. And you have a clear idea of who your audience is. So it's easier to speak to them and it's easier to, you know, attract those types of people to your show, which I'm sure yep. you probably learned, um, very similar to myself, right? My show is now about sales. Like, sales people listen to my show, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, where right. um, success and entrepreneurs, and it's like, it's just very broad. You mm-hmm. don't really know who is the show for, who are you speaking to, it's kind of a mixed bag. And, um, but it was, but what I love that you said about that first podcast is that it opened a lot of doors for you. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the things that I think a lot of people maybe thinking about starting a podcast or just getting started with a podcast tend to underestimate that like a podcast is a way to open a lot of doors and get access to a lot of people that would be harder otherwise.
1: Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, with that show, there were so many people who talked to me who... I had no business having a conversation with and some that I still have a relationship with guys like, well, I'll use a, a really good example. That's how I actually met my co-founder of Guestbox love. So I had interviewed, was introduced to him by a yeah. friend. Somebody thought he'd be a great guest. So we connected, had him on the show. He we also is local. So we <laughs> met up a few times, started to build a relationship. He really became a mentor of mine. One thing led to another and this this idea came to, came into, came to fruition and we decided to pursue it. So now I would have never met this guy had it not been for that first podcast. And now he's not only become a mentor, but a business partner. So you never know where some of the, where, where it's going to take you. Um, and I have dozens of those stories of people who I met or um, now have relationships with that otherwise never, never would have happened. So, yeah, totally. Agree. I mean,
0: the the saying that you know probably many people have heard like your net your network equals your net worth, right? Mm-hmm. And building relationships and building a high quality network a podcast can really accelerate that. Um, And I love that story that you were just telling me because my story with my co founder is the same. <laughs> we met. <laughs> <laughs> we, we actually met previously. He did market. He helped me with some marketing for, for one of my other companies. But then he left that company and we hadn't really talked in a long time. And he was posting a bunch of content on LinkedIn. And it was like content like that I had not seen, like really real, raw, authentic stuff, sharing about things that most people weren't talking about or would be very guarded about. And so I was super curious, like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> right. Right. And so, and it's funny because we're actually writing a book now about the origin story and like all the things that we've learned about, you know, po- dri- you know, driving revenue through podcasting, whether it's starting a show, growing a show, guesting on shows, you name it, we're putting it all into a book and we just started it. And so we were writing the origin story and we actually looked back to the, the link, the original LinkedIn DM that I had sent him. And uh, and so, yeah, I went on his podcast. He invited me to go on his show. It was the first time I'd ever gone on a podcast. He, uh, You know, we have a studio not too far from, from my office. And so I went there to the studio, had a great experience. And then I was like, I think I want to start a podcast. And he helped <laughs> me start that first show that I was telling you about. That's awesome. Um, And then we said, I think there's more people that want this that we can help. And how can we do it different? And so now, you know, we have over 40 shows that we manage today and it's a ton of fun. But that was a door that was opened literally through me going on a podcast. Mm
1: -hmm. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. And you hear that if any podcaster who's done it for a consistent, consistently for any reasonable amount of time you hear those stories come up of whether it's a business or a friendship or um just just like really deep powerful relationships or opportunities that come about so whether or not you monetize or um are able to do that right off the bat there's so many so much value added so completely agree
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I'm curious, I have a question for you. Uh, I'm curious, just kind of same context of like how, you know, being going into marketing, you know, we kind of dug into how that helped you as a seller. Mm -hmm. I'm curious how podcasting, being a podcaster, you know, being podcasting for almost six years now, Mm -hmm. uh, how has that helped you acquire, build, get better at certain skills that help you in your sales role?
1: Yeah. Well, the, the obvious one, um, which I, I personally can look back at where I was in sales you know, a couple of years ago to where I am today, is just questions, asking questions, um, the, which really is a skill set, um, but also my level of preparation before a call has changed immensely. So I really had to develop this process to be able to create any podcast that was uh, worth it's worth its salt so going in into digging into the life of the guest and understanding kind of where they've been what their life is like really what value they have to offer to the audience um what they're trying to get out of the show like what's going to make this sh- an episode and a conversation with me successful in their mind so that they leave with a good impression and just formulating strategic questions that are going to drive the conversation in the direction that I wanted to take it. And so that's something I was doing every single week for the podcast. And what I realized is that just naturally, this bled over into the world of sales, where prepping for my sales calls, I was doing more research. I was trying to think more strategically, not like, here's my list of 5, 10 questions that I ask every prospect, but where do I really... How is this how do I make these questions super relevant to this to this customer or prospect that I'm talking to and how do I do it in a way that's going to drive the conversation to the place where I want it to go so it's not just asking questions and hoping for the best but it's actively creating strategic questions to to drive the conversation there and it's just something I wasn't doing before wasn't thinking about as much and then out of necessity through the podcast of, if I wanted to make a, a worthwhile episode, I can learn that skill. And then that's definitely translated into the, the sales realm as well.
0: Yeah. So if I'm hearing that correctly, basically being a podcaster helped you to uh, the obvious, right? Ask better questions, but mm-hmm. be more strategic in you know, how you're driving the conversation yep. um, and also being able to like do sort of better research going into certain calls.
1: Yeah, for sure. And even just kind of the tactical, like subtle skills of asking questions, like asking a question and then pausing and giving mm-hmm. it a second, letting it sit there. And even if there's a little bit of an awkward silence, a lot of times, I think Tim Ferriss is the person who first called this out that I learned it from where... That silence is where the magic is, because that's where somebody's Mm -hmm. really thinking deep. And especially for me, like I am a people pleaser. I don't want to make people uncomfortable. So I would be the first person to jump in and and try to close that that gap to help them feel less uncomfortable, because I was just putting that in my own head, like, oh, they're really uncomfortable. But really, they might have just been digging deep in their mind and, and thinking through it. And then, oftentimes, it pushes them to come back with a better answer, and that—that's true for podcasting, but also in sales, letting people kind of think through things and formulate, and allowing that silence to do its work, to get better answers and um, have better conversations in general.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna insert a long pause of silence right here. No, just
1: kidding. <laughs> um, I, I, love chirp, chirp. I, I love that. I love
0: that. Uh, for so many reasons. And if you actually, you know, that silence, letting, you know, the the magic in the silence, right? Letting them process and think rather than just being so quick to have something to say because you're uncomfortable with the silence or feel the need to say something Mm -hmm. and then allowing that, you know, space, that that silence for them to maybe come back with more additional or even the real answer in some cases, Right. right? right? But even on the flip side of that, right? Where if you have a little bit of a pause or a little bit of a silence where you actually process the information that you're getting from your podcast guest or your prospect, right? Um, it actually shows that you're listening, right? Yeah. And that you're actually thinking like it gives you, it builds, some, helps build some trust and some rapport and some credibility because a lot of times when you're quick to answer or just respond, it's not as authentic. Like it's kind of comes off as a little bit more scripted or like mm-hmm. you're just kind of saying something that you think, you know, a lot of times sellers can come across like they're just saying what they, what, you know, what the, pro- what maybe the prospect wants to hear right. rather than really like processing thinking thinking and giving like the real answer.
1: Yeah, that, that's, that's definitely another skill that comes with, for me came with time and I'm still always working on this active listening of just really hearing what they're saying and being able to respond or address what you're hearing rather than just jumping to the next question, the next point, the next thing you're trying to get to um, the next slide, whatever it is. But that's another one that, you know, maybe some people are born innately with that, but for me, it definitely has come over time and having weekly kind of intensive one-on-one virtual conversations that I do in the podcast has definitely helped me with that skill set, you know, elsewhere and, and certainly in sales.
0: Yeah, absolutely because I mean, even just like having a follow-up question or, you know, you know, confirming that like what they said you heard correctly, like mm-hmm. I think a lot of times sellers want to just kind of go to the next question like you said rather than like, well, let's let's spend a little time here, like tell me more about that or hey, you know, I'm getting this, but you know, can I, can you explain that? And like really just going deeper uh, mm-hmm. to have a better understanding. Um, I think a lot of sellers tend to like get in fear of like, Oh, they're going to think that like, I'm not getting it or I'm not, you know, understanding. So they're like kind of scared to just ask more questions, go deeper on a particular thing.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, I just learned a, a, a skill recently on this, too. I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the uh, the book Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, a negotiation book. Yeah. But so um, I was reading that, and he has this concept of mirroring where you just yeah. repeat the last two to three words that somebody says kind of as a question. Yeah. And it seems awkward at first, but it just gets them to elaborate on whatever they're talking about. And it's just kind of this... This subtle mind trick, Jedi mind trick that yeah. without it, it, it really does work. And I've tried it a few times and, and it's amazing that it just opens the conversation up um, where you just, so if, for example, if I were to say, yep, this is our budget and there's really nothing more that we can do this year, say nothing more this year and just kind of leave it there. I mean, it's a bad example, but, and you just let it hang they think about it, they reprocess this and they elaborate and you learn so much more information that you otherwise wouldn't have had. So, um, that's kind of another one along with the silence aspect of, uh, just one of those tricks that you pick. I've, I've picked up over the years that helps, uh, helps get people talking more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The mirroring is, is a, is a great technique. It's actually a statement sort of posed as a question it's not really yeah. a question but it's right. taken as a question
1: <laughs> right it's yeah it's it's awesome when you see it in person and then once you do know it you see other people doing it, you're like ah i see but it's so subtle most times that you, you, know, you pick up on it so it's pretty very
0: few people really master that that technique though because yeah. it's a little bit awkward to do
1: yeah just when you start off for sure
0: yeah yeah Well, Brad, it's been fantastic having you on here. Really appreciate it. Where can people connect, follow you, whatever you want us to include in the show notes so they can get into your world?
1: Yeah. Well, if anybody has a podcast and they're looking to send thank you gifts to their guests, uh, guestboxlove.com, we automate the whole process, product selection, fulfillment, shipping, all of it. Um, Personalized handwritten notes. It's a beautiful process. So guestboxlove.com for that. Or I would love for people to check out the podcast, check out the episode you were just on, um, which will go live probably in the next couple of months of uh, World Class Dads. You can find that anywhere where you listen to podcasts.
0: Awesome. We will drop both of those links in the show notes for everybody. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It really does help us out. And we're always listening for your feedback. You can go to salestransformation.fm and you can drop us a voice DM and we will get back to you. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free, salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad and I might even give you free access to our best templates.